0: Well, for this communion weekend, we are going to immerse ourselves in a mini series based around questions. uh, Questions that God asks of us. Uh, The Bible is full of questions, and some of them are are very penetrating, as we're going to see over the next three services. Our three questions will be as follows. You'll see them on the screen. First question is, Where are you? Second question is, What is your life? And the third question is, Where are you going? And what we're going to find, I hope, is that these questions take us to the very heart of our existence, of what it means to be be human beings made in the image of God and called to follow God. And there are also questions that will help us to focus on our walk with God at the beginning of another year. Uh, Tonight our question is, where are you? And it comes from Genesis 3, specifically Genesis 3 verse 9. Uh, You'll see it in the passage we just read. Uh, Verse 8 through to verse 10 says... And they, that's Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Uh, Christmas is just over and one of the things that is invariably said by someone in our family at some point over the Christmas period is, it's another bumper Christmas. Uh, It's something of a tradition that someone says it at some point and it's to acknowledge the fact that everyone has got presents they like and appreciate but it's also, also to acknowledge that the younger members of the family have, as usual, done very well indeed. Year by year there isn't much difference in what the kids get but they always do very, very well. Children, of course, can be amused by the simplest things at times. Despite the fact that it was another bumper Christmas in our house, the little people in our house ended up playing with something very simple this week. Uh, They have toys and crafts and games galore, but what did they end up playing with? Do you remember our Sunday school and Bible class service in December? Do you remember what I had with me that morning? This week with toys galore available the little people in our house ended up playing with the six-foot cardboard box that I borrowed from a friend. Ch- children are amused but by, by the simplest of things, and that's why the old games, especially the old outdoor games, remain the most popular. It's not the season for it because it's winter, but what's the number one game for children if they're outside? It has to be hide-and-seek. It's a favourite in our house mainly because the garden is so big and there are lots of nooks and crannies to hide in. As with any old traditional game, it's hard to know when or where it first originated from. With Hide and Seek though, we have the original first ever game recorded for us in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve play a game of Hide and Seek and it's during this first ever game that God asks this question. Where are you? It's a very straightforward question. It's just three words long. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Now the wide broad context of the question found in Genesis 3.9 is that it comes after the creation of the world. And we're not going to go down any rabbit holes tonight about that this evening. Uh, instead we should see that the more specific context of our question is that it comes in the part of the Bible that explains to us why our world is the way it is today and why our hearts are the way they are as well. If you were to search through ancient literature in an attempt to find an explanation for the origin of sin and misery in the world, you will be hard-pressed to find one. If you were to read all the major influential philosophers of history, you would find that none of them come close to explaining the existence and cause of sin. Genesis 3 speaks to our human condition. Namely, it tells us where sin comes from, came from, how it works in our lives, and the extent to which it affects us and impacts our world. We're going to touch on some of that as we think about this question. But as we've already said, it's a simple question Where are you? Well, what is our first question asking? Where are you? It's helpful to understand what it's not asking. Where are you? God is not asking us, Where are you in the physical sense? In other words, where are you now? The answer to that would be blindingly obvious. Where you are, I am in the meeting house of Buckna, Presbyterian Church, or you are watching the service at home in, in the comfort of your own sofa, wherever. That, that, that's not what this question is asking. God is also not asking us, where are you in the geographical sense, i.e. what country are you in? Again, that would be a very easy question to answer. You are, I am in Northern Ireland, a country that is part of the United Kingdom, that is part of the continent of Europe. That's not what this question is asking. God is also not asking us, where are you in the material sense? Where are you in terms of your career, your job, your work? Where are you in the journey of life? That's not what this question is asking. And God is not asking us, where are you in the mental sense? God is not asking us, where is your head at? How is your mental health? It's a very important question. But it's not the question being asked here. What is our first question asking? Where are you? Well, it's a spiritual question. Where are you? Where are you in terms of your relationship with God? Are you a Christian? Are you trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation? Are you resting in the finished work of Christ on the cross? Where are you? If you are a Christian, when did you become one? Have you been a Christian since you were a child? Have you been a Christian for most of your life? Have you just become a Christian? Where are you? If you are a Christian, has your life been marked by growth and holiness and godliness? How would you summarize the past year in terms of your walk with God? Do you read the Bible regularly? Do you talk to God in prayer? Where are you? This is a spiritual question and it's a good one for us to ask and to think about here at pre-communion. In his inherent and divine wisdom, the Lord Jesus gave us two sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And what what, what is one of the, the, the New Testament commands directed at followers of Christ when it comes to meeting around the Lord's table? Well, Paul puts it plainly in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. 28. He says, let a person examine himself then And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Let a person examine himself or herself. Where are you in terms of your relationship with God and your walk with Christ? It's a spiritual question. It's a spiritual question that helps us to examine our hearts and lives. And all of that makes our question tonight very important. We are here tonight. You're here tonight because you're a Christian and you're intending to meet with other believers around the Lord's table on Sunday, this first question is worthy of your attention, of your time, and of your mind. It's also an evangelistic question, but that side of the question isn't particularly applicable to us tonight. That said, in any gathering, we should always ask the question, have you trusted in the Lord Jesus alone for salvation? But where are you? It's a spiritual question that calls us all to examine where we stand in relationship to God and where we are in our walk with Christ. Having said what our question isn't, it isn't asking a physical, geographical, material or mental question and having noted that it is asking a spiritual question of us, we can say three other things about it and these three things won't take overly long. First of all, this question in Genesis 3 verse 9 is an unusual question. It's an unusual question. It's unusual in this way. It turns on its head the common notion that man is looking for God and that God is hiding from man. Let me say that again. This question is unusual because it turns on the head the, the, the common notion that, God, that, that, that man is looking for God and that God is hiding from man. What the Bible is saying here is the total reverse of that. One of the biggest mistakes that we can make when when it, when it comes to understanding our relationship with God is that we think we sought him out. We did, but only because he first sought us. He is not hiding from us. We are, by our very nature, hiding from him. It's also an unusual question in that God is not in need of information. So here he is asking the question, where are you? And we're kind of like, well, why... Why are you asking that question? Because you're God and you surely know. Where where are you is what he asked Adam, but he knows where Adam is. The question is therefore like the question in Jeremiah 23 verse 24. It's a rhetorical question. In Jeremiah 23, God asks rhetorically, Can a man or a woman hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? Do I not fill fill heaven and earth declares the Lord? When, When God asks a question in the Bible, it's usually in order to provide information to those he's addressing. By posing this question, he's asking Adam and Eve to face up to where they really are. Where are you, Adam? Face up to where you're at. This is where you were, look at where you are. Where are you, Adam? It's an unusual question, but it's also a kind question. The the thing about this question is that God didn't need to ask it. God could have reacted in lots of different ways. Adam and Eve have just sinned and rebelled against him. He could have reacted in lots of different ways. If he had reacted reacted strictly in justice, he could have brought about the sentence of death that he had promised immediately and wrapped everything up there and then. But he comes to Adam and Eve with a question to draw them out rather than to drive them out. He appears in the garden not with a stick to chastise them, nor with a prod to poke them, but he comes with his voice and pierces their secrecy. It's a very kind question in that way. God comes by the means of his voice. And what this is an indication of is that it's an indication of God's grace towards sinners. Adam and Eve have turned their back on God. They have ignored his direct instructions regarding what they were to do and what they were not to do. And what's the first thing that he says to them? Where are you? Now, this is what the Bible calls grace. Grace is when God does not give to people what they justly deserve, but on the basis of his immense kindness, grants to people what we don't deserve. That grace comes to us through the Lord Jesus, the word who was made flesh. God was gracious to Adam and Eve in the garden through his word. God is gracious to us through the word made flesh. Now, if you're you're tracking with me, you might be wondering this question. This might be in your mind. What was there in Adam to compel God to go looking for him? What was there in Adam? What was it about Adam that made God seek him out? Well, the answer is nothing. Nothing at all. So why does he seek him? Because that's the kind of God he is. It's God's kindness that draws men and women to turn their backs on sin and to turn to him in repentance. Where are you? It's an unusual question. It's a kind question. And it's a personal question. Where are you? It's personal and it's unavoidable because just in the same way that Adam could not avoid the voice of God speaking to him, so we cannot avoid the voice of God speaking to us through the scriptures. Where are you? We've read most of Genesis 3 tonight and in our reading, you might have noticed Adam's evasive response. There's the account of the act of sin, the first sin in verses one to seven. God then comes in verses eight and nine And then there's a cover-up in verses 10 to 13. Where are you? What's Adam's answer? Verse 10. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God might have just said, Adam, could you just answer the question, please? You know when you're watching the news and a reporter is giving a politician a grilling and the politician isn't really answering the difficult questions? So you know, what is the government going to do about NHS waiting lists? Well, that's a difficult question and there are lots of issues and lots of problems to think about and we've tried to come up with solutions. We've done this and that and look at how that has helped and so on and so forth. Could you just answer the question, please? I've asked you a question. Could you just answer it for me, please? That's what Adam is doing. He's evasive and God could have legitimately said, could you, could you just answer the question straight, Adam? Adam also immediately begins to pass the buck. The, the woman you put me here with, well, she got into some trouble with the fruit we weren't supposed to touch or eat and she gave it to me. I did eat it, but it's not my fault. It's her fault. And it's also your fault you gave me the woman. Therefore, ultimately, this mess is all your fault in the end. You ever done that? You ever said that? You ever thought that? You ever evaded question from God? Have you ever blame shifted when it comes to sin? This is a personal question. You you might hear your own voice in Adam's excuses. Uh, Adam isn't thinking properly. That's the thing. His rebellion, his sin has affected his thinking. No sensible person would ever believe they can hide from God behind a tree. How stupid is that? How silly is that? But think about it. You think sometimes, I think sometimes, that I can hide from God, that you can hide from God. You maybe won't admit it publicly, but answer the question honestly in your heart. You think you can hide from God from, you think you can hide what you do at work from God. You think you can hide what you look at on your laptop or your tablet or your phone from God. You think that you can hide your unspoken anger and resentment towards another person from God. You don't think he sees it, but he does. It's a Psalm 139 says, Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, that's the highest point in this world, the highest mountain, the tallest tree, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, that's the lowest point, the depths of the earth, you're there as well. Where are you? It's not a physical, geographical, material, or mental question. It's a spiritual question. Where are you? It's an unusual question. God chooses to reveal himself, not hide himself. It's a kind question. God is is very interested in establishing a relationship with sinners, with people like you and me. And it's a personal question. Where are you tonight? In spiritual terms. Are you a Christian? When did you become one? Has your life recently been marked by growth in holiness and godliness? How would you summarize the past year in terms of your walk with God? When you hear about a Bible reading plan for 2024, do you think, well, that's just for the really keen people. I'm happy enough with just engaging with the Bible on Sundays. I mean, that's enough, isn't it? Where, where, where are you as you prepare to come to the Lord's table on Sunday? Where are you in your walk with Christ? Is there a sin that's holding you back? Will you take time to repent of that sin? The sin that is festered in your heart? Let a person examine himself or herself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Where are you? That's our first question. One of three. It's a very straightforward question. It's just three words. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And the thing is, it's, asked by a, it's a question asked by a seeking God, a saving God, a relationship creating God. And it's asked directly to us all. As the doors of 2024 open before us, it's an unusual, kind and personal question. I wonder what your answer is. Where are you tonight? Let's pray together. Lord, your word reveals to us who you are at times. It reveals to us who we are as well. And we realize that there is nothing that we do, say, or think that is outside of your gaze. We might think that we can flee from your spirit, flee from your presence, but if we go to the highest of heights or the, the depths of the earth, you're there. Father, help us to examine our hearts over the next few days as we prepare to meet around your table on Sunday, help us to examine ourselves and to honestly ask the question, where am I in terms of my relationship with you? Have I grown in holiness and in godliness in the year that has just passed? What is 2024 going to look like? What are the things that are going to mark me out as a follower of Christ this year? Lord, help us as we think these things through. We thank you for Jesus, our perfect saviour, the one who has lived and died so that we might know you. But be with us as we think these issues through, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.